if we don't realize that, if that isn't a reference point to us, we can get into the situations that we didn't expect and we didn't cause and all of a sudden become overwhelmed. But the moment we realize we're not alone, that the one who loves us most, and even though he knows us best, he loves us most, is there to bring life into our life. And not just to us. God wants to bring life and blessings to you. That's part of the covenant. You know, God, God spoke to Abraham. And he said, Abraham, I'm going to bless you that you would become a blessing to all people. And that, that promise is to you today. God wants to bless you. But, but don't stop the flow. God wants to bless you so that you can bless others. Because he said there's another level beyond just being blessed. It's great to be blessed, isn't it? We, we, we can't argue that. It's great to be blessed. But God said it's even more blessed to give or to bless others than to just receive the blessing. That's the way it keeps going. And uh, we, are, we are here in the, the world as ambassadors for Christ. We are heirs of the kingdom of God. And God has for us to be spreading the life that he gives us, the peace he gives us, the joy he gives us, the hope he gives us. But if we're overwhelmed all the time, then nobody's going to want or even uh, desire what we have because they're going to see us acting just like they are, and we shouldn't because we have a, a God who is there and who cares. Amen? Well, thank you for joining us here. Thank you for joining us online. Um, you know, the, uh, the world is getting crazy out there. I, I have been reading some things I can't even begin to believe are true. And, you know, in, in our society and in the time we are at, there's, there's the possibility that it's not true. So one of the things you and I have to do is we have to dig and find out, is what we just read, is that what we just heard, is what we just saw, is that accurate? And you can't just believe everything you see and everything you hear and everything you think. You do have to do some investigation, and I am doing that right now on a, a topic that I was just floored by, and I, I can't even begin to talk about it until I've got clarity on it. But uh, we shouldn't be surprised by what's going on. You know, the Bible tells us this is going to go on. And it's not going to get better. No matter how much we pray, the world itself is not going to get better. So what we have to do is be believing that God is going to show up and show out in our lives and through our lives and impact the lives of others. That's the only way there's going to be change in this world where people turn to Christ and trust in Christ. But the only reason why they do that is they see a benefit. We are such benefit-driven people. What's in it for me? What do I get? What do I gain? And if people don't see anything different in my life and your life than they see in their life, then they don't need the God that you, you say you trust. I say I trust. But if they see in the midst of everything going on, they see a stability and a security that we're not rocked. We're, we're, we're not terrorized. We're not afraid because of what they're hearing and we're hearing on the news. 
that's going on in our country or other countries around the globe. And we're just rock solid. That is going to be something God will use to continue to draw them to him. And that's why we, we need to be firm. We, we need to be established. We need to be strong. We need to know what we believe. Because if we don't know, then we really won't believe. Are you convinced of anything today? See, I, I don't know what you're convinced of. What is a non-negotiable? That it doesn't matter who says what or what authority says this or that or the other thing. That you know this is set. This is not going to change because I will tell you when something does not change. And it doesn't need to change. Now, it's, it's truth because truth doesn't change. Everything else has to change. But the society we live in tells us today that truth is relative. Whatever you believe to be true is true. Which fosters an environment of chaos and conflict. Because if I believe something's true and I'm holding fast to that and you believe something else, and we don't have Christ in our life who is the way, the truth, and the life, all of a sudden we're going to be adversarial towards another person. We don't have to be. We don't have to be. We, we're not here to make anybody do anything. We're here to show forth the glory of God. We're here to reveal the kingdom of God here in a broken world. The kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, which is perfect. It's what God intended in the garden before sin came in. And yet people made their own choices. Adam and Eve made a choice, didn't fear the Lord, didn't respect and honor God, and decided that they were going to do something apart from God. And it caused this devastation that we see continuing to grow in the world that we live in. And it still has that effect. When we choose to believe anything other than God, we're moving off the track of truth. The Bible says you'll know the truth and the truth will what? Set you free and keep you free. But if we migrate into the gray areas, the, the things that everybody says, well, this is true, but we don't go back to Scripture and find out what does the word of life tell us? What does the truth tell us? And this is going to put us in some uncomfortable situations. And I think we ought to be uncomfortable. We need to learn how to become comfortable being uncomfortable. Because if we want to fit in with everything that's going on, we are not going to track with God. We're going to be what the Bible says is double-minded. And the Bible tells us a double-minded man will receive nothing from God because God honors faith. And when we're double-minded, we're in and out, up and down, back and forth. And what the world is looking for right now is stability, security, hope, peace, joy, love. Where do you think we find that? Absolutely. The Bible 
with the God of the Bible. And so we ought to be living, breathing examples of the kingdom of God. That wherever we go, and Jesus told his disciples, wherever you go, the kingdom of God is at hand. But that kingdom is radically different than the kingdoms of this world. And it should be so radically different that people look at us and they pause. And they can't get out of their head. How, how can they be going through this stuff and they've got joy, they've got peace, they've got hope? They aren't stressed out, they aren't overwhelmed, they aren't undone. Man, they're rock solid. And the only reason why is just like what we, we sang about, how the rains came and the floods came and they beat upon the house, but the house stood. And why did it stand? Because it was on a firm foundation. The Bible says the rock was built upon the rock. Who's the rock? Jesus. And his word is rock solid. And that's where, like never before, you know, we've got more options today than any generation. I mean, wherever you look, options of food to eat, restaurants to go to, cars to buy, TV shows. We've got more entertainment than anyone ever has had in the entire life of the earth. And, and we have to be very aware, what are we using our resources Specifically, our time. What are we using our time for? And, and I'm not against technology. I think technology is great in its place. But when we elevate technology and, and all the options that we have to a priority before God, then all of a sudden things get out of alignment. And we are giving away the opportunity to spend time with the creator of the universe, the one who has all the answers and can do anything and everything. And we're going to be looking at some scriptures today because I think it's important to build something into us at this hour to be able to combat what we're facing and it ever increasing in the world around us. And have you noticed that when you meet someone, when there's a, a first meeting, that the things they say are very important initially? When, when you meet someone, what, what ends up happening? How does the exchange happen? You don't know them, you meet them. What do you do? Just stare at each other? Yeah, you say hi and what? Okay, how are you and what? Thank you, my name is. You introduce yourself. All of a sudden, you're letting somebody know who they're engaging, all right? And a little bit about you. And, and one of the challenges I've always had in my life is those moments in time where, where you meet somebody and you say your name, they say their name, 
And I will tell you, this is a sad, sad story, but the truth is that for years and years and years, I could never remember anybody's name. And I told God it was his fault. You know how we want to blame God for things? But it didn't float because the Bible says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I, I realized that it wasn't his fault. Something was faulty in what I was doing. But because I was so nervous whenever I met a new person, I was more focused on making sure I said my name right that I didn't really listen to the person. Now, if they said their name first, I was concerned about, am I going to get my name right? Am I going to fumble over my name? So I didn't really listen closely. And if, if I said my name first, then once I had said it and they said their name, I was like, did I say my name okay? And I'm not listening to their name. Now, you may not have that challenge, but that was a huge challenge in my life. And I had to forego that. Whether, whether I say it right or not, what's more important is I hear who they are. Because they're giving me information, but they're also giving me a part of themselves. And so when, when you engage with somebody you don't know, when you start talking and meeting and, and, and interacting with somebody like that, what it first comes out, you start to learn all sorts of things about a person that you didn't have contact with before. Or maybe you had some contact, but it wasn't really uh, continuous and, and in-depth, and so you're going to learn a lot. And how many of you know what Jesus introduced his ministry with? What he spoke about first? What was the foundation that he came proclaiming? See, I, I will tell you that, that I would say most of us don't know that. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of give you a little hint. How many of you know who preceded Jesus, prepared the way for Jesus? Exactly. You guys are so smart. John the Baptist. And John the Baptist was in the wilderness, and, and he proclaimed some things. Does anybody know anything about what, what John's proclamation was? Yeah, it was for the one coming. He prepared the way for the one coming. But what did he say? What did he say to people? When people came out to him in the wilderness, what did he say? See, I, I, I have to remind myself. I think we all have to remind ourselves. And that's why I really believe this is the time that we need to really dig in here. He said, first of all, repent. That's a topic we don't hear a lot about. Because we want to push everything out on God and say, God, you do it. But John said, repent. Change your way of thinking. Change your way of acting. And then he said, repent because the kingdom of God is at hand. Now, when we come into to a life in Christ, when we repent of our sins, when we receive the forgiveness that Jesus bought and paid for on the cross, and we receive him as Lord, we're in a new kingdom. A kingdom that we know nothing about. A kingdom that is absolutely 
different than any exposure we've had to any authority or any kingdom before. And so this is what John spoke, but we're going to look at what Jesus spoke today and, and the foundation of what he began his ministry with and what continued to be the foundation of his ministry. But before we do, we're going to pray. So if you just bow your heads. Heavenly Father, thank you. Thank you so much for your presence. Thank you for your plan that's for good with a future and a hope. Thank you for your power, your spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead that dwells in us, that leads us and guides us into all truth and reminds us of every word that you've spoken. Thank you, Father, for the work that you're doing in us, preparing us and providing for us to work through us to impact all the lives around us of the people that you love. And so today, Father, we thank you as your word goes forth that it brings healing and light and freedom and hope and joy. And so, Father, today we thank you for speaking to each of our hearts and our lives and our circumstances and situations. Help us to recognize that word, that rhema word to us, that sword of the spirit that you impart to us that we would be able to cut through the snares of the enemy and be able to live the life that you have for us that is abundant and overflowing. We thank you, Father, for this in Jesus' name and everyone said. So in Matthew chapter 4, uh, verse 17, we see this is the beginning of, of Jesus' ministry. He's He's been around and he came out to John and met John in the wilderness and he was being, he was being baptized by John and that's when the, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit came down like a dove and, and filled him and then he was led away by the Spirit into the wilderness. Out there he was tempted by the enemy. How many of you know when you get alone the enemy comes to try and tempt you? And so he was tempted by, by the devil and through that temptation, he was able to submit himself to God, to remind himself of the word of God, to track with the word of God. And the Bible says when he returned from that temptation, he came back in the power of the spirit. Now, I want to tell you something. You know, we want to run from all these battles and things. And, and God's not tempting you with evil, but the enemy will show up as often as he chooses. And these battles don't have to destroy you. They can develop you. You know, in the word for you today, we've been hearing about things like this, where the enemy wants to destroy, but God's always looking to develop us. God wants to take us from glory to what? From glory to glory. That means there's a change. It's not a change in God. He doesn't change. So there's a change that happens in us. There's a transforming work. We're always in the process. We're either going from glory to glory or another direction. And it's all dependent on who we're allowing to have input and impart to our lives to lead us and guide us, to govern us and guard us. And we need to be choosing the Lord. Be allowing his word to be umpire in our lives. 
That means that when, when something comes to us, the Spirit of God and the Word of God work together to keep us on track, to keep us strong, to keep us from getting out into the weeds. But if we don't know the Word and we have no real fellowship with the Spirit of God, even though He lives in us, how many of you know you can live with people that you don't know very well? <laughs> Some of you are like, welcome to my world. But, but that's not what God wants. God wants us to have an intimate, continuously interactive relationship with him. Where we're not just meeting with him Sunday in this building. I, I'm not going to call it the church because you're the church. And wherever you go, the kingdom of God is at hand. God is literally living in you through his spirit. One of the trinity is in residence. The Holy Spirit is in residence in you. You know, when we say that, we're like, yeah, I know. Yeah, but if we know, if God is living in us, Shouldn't our lives be radically different than people who don't have God living in them? And that's what God wants. God wants you and me to be walking, talking advertisements for heaven. Where, where just like Jesus, when Jesus walked through the earth, people, except for the religious people, that were threatened by the truth that Jesus lived and taught, people wanted Jesus around them. He was called a friend of sinners, and he loved all people. He didn't love sin, but he loved all people. And because he cared about them, they wanted him to come, come to our house, come to our party. And what happened was he didn't change in their midst, but they saw the change that could happen in their lives through him and that same model is supposed to go on in our lives God's so working in our lives that people want to be around us I got a call I got a text this week about somebody who our boys grew up with their boys we were we were family friends we still are to a degree and uh, we don't see them a whole lot but the husband had had a stroke, and I didn't know anything about it, but I got some information that, that he had had a stroke. And, and the Spirit of God just prompted me. I see this family usually one time a year, and, and they're just around the corner. And it's because I take candy to them at Christmas time. <laughs> and, uh, and so I just felt this, this sense that God wanted me to go over. And I thought, you know, I don't want to bother them. They only see me one time a year. And yet I couldn't shake it. And so I went over and they opened the door and invited me in. And I knew I was there to pray. And then all of a sudden there's another knock at the door. And it was the boyfriend of their daughter. And I don't know where he stands with the Lord or anything. And yet the Spirit of God kept nudging me, pray for him, pray for him, pray for him. And I said, well, you know what? I came here to do something. I'm here to pray for you. Is that all right? I always ask, 
because I don't want to push anything on them. And, and most times people say, yeah, that's okay. And they don't expect me to pray right then. But they said it was okay, so I do it. Uh, and, and so I prayed for them, and I left. And I'm just, you know how when you, you're obedient to God, you're just not sure, God, did that work out the way it was supposed to? Because I didn't see anything happen. But we walk by what? Faith. Faith and not by sight. If you're obedient to God, that's all that's important. He takes care of the rest of it. And how he chooses to and when he chooses to is up to him. We just have to be available and be obedient. And, and I found out just this morning that the family took a lot of comfort. They were encouraged. You wouldn't have known it by their faces. And so God had his way. Because I just walked into a situation and know that wherever I go, God's there. And if I can just be obedient to God, God has an opening to have his way. Whether I see what I want to have happen or not, it's not about me, it's about him. And that's what we all are here to do. If it wasn't the moment we got saved, we go to heaven. Because this earth isn't your home. This is not your home. This is the closest to hell you as a believer are ever going to get. I can't even imagine what hell's like with what we go through sometimes. But this is as close to heaven as people who don't put their faith in Christ are going to get. And he doesn't want them in hell. He wants them with him. And the only way that's going to happen is if you and I are the witnesses that we were told to be, are the ambassadors that we have been given the privilege and opportunity to represent heaven in the midst of fallen world. And so in verse 17, it says, from that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent. Repent. That means recognize what's going on in your life that you're not tracking with God. How are you off alignment from God? Because when we get off alignment from God and his will and his way, we're moving rapidly into the realm of sin. And what, what does sin bring to our lives? What does the Bible tell us sin brings to our lives? Death. But you know, the Bible tells us that sin has pleasure. That's a promise. Isn't it, isn't it true? Isn't there a pleasure in sin? Some of you are like, I wouldn't know. I don't sin. <laughs> <laughs> now repent for lying. <laughs> sin has pleasure for a season. If it didn't, we wouldn't even be interested in it. But there's this pleasure for a season, and sometimes the seasons are longer than others. But don't be deceived. Sin has pleasure for a season, but death is on its way. And if you don't want the death, don't enjoy the pleasure. Because there are other pleasures that you can have. There are a multitude of pleasures you can have with God. 
It's just like what happened in the garden. Remember Adam and Eve, God told them, you know what, I've created this garden for you. You tend it, you keep it. You take dominion over it. And you can eat of any tree you want. Right? That's pretty open-ended. Any tree you want, but. See, you got to watch your butts. But one tree. What tree was that? Anybody remember? The tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Did they have the knowledge of good? Absolutely, they knew God. So what were they lacking? The knowledge of evil. Aren't you glad sometimes you don't know all the evil that's going on? Well, Adam and Eve knew all they needed to know. They knew God, they knew the good. And now there's this one tree that God says, don't eat of this tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. You've already got the good. You don't need the evil. And then the next thing we read, where are they? They're right at the tree. Isn't that like what kids do? Now, don't touch that. Next time you look over, they're right by it. One of our sons, I don't know why. Well, it was really Debbie's son. I'm in trouble now. <laughs> My son, our son, was just so strong-willed. And, and he had this affinity for electrical outlets. And he would always crawl over to them. And we would take him back, and he would crawl over. And we were, we were taught, you know, you... you redirect them. Well, he was going to have none of that. And so, you know, eventually he paid a price for it. Now, there was another little boy that I knew who was part of our kind of a, a family member, but not exactly a family member that used to lick outlets. And the way his parents knew that he was doing this was he would have burn marks on his lips and his tongue. And he just kept going back to it. You know, God's not going to stop you going after what you want to go after, but we ought to be smart enough to know we don't want the burns. We don't want the death. We don't want the destruction that comes with sin, even though it looks like it's going to be pleasurable for a moment. And that's where we all need to recognize that this world is filled with things that are pulling on. And God wants to have an influence on us, but he won't force his influence on us. And so we need to realize during the week, during this week, you're going to be tempted. God doesn't tempt with evil, so the enemy is tempting you, trying to pull you away. And as you head towards that, when you recognize, man, I'm not headed towards God, so it's not going to be good no matter how good it looks right now. I need to repent. I need to turn around. I need to start moving another direction. I need to move back towards God. The safest place for you is with God. There's no guarantee. 
outside of God. God's the only one that makes a promise and never breaks it. And he's promised you life and life more abundant. And that's why we have to be aware. We need to repent. Repentance isn't a bad thing. It's a great thing. It's what helps keep us on track. But Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is what? At hand. When it says at hand, what does it mean? Yeah, it's, it's here. Kingdom of heaven is here. Now, he's just beginning to preach this. But this is the foundation of all the teachings that he has. It's about the kingdom of heaven. He's revealing what the kingdom of heaven is like, what God's will is like, which is done in heaven. And so turn around, make the adjustment because you've got access, you've got opportunity to the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of life. Is that fair to call it the kingdom of life? What about the kingdom of health? Fair to call it the kingdom of health? Anybody sick in heaven? Okay. How about the kingdom of joy? Is that fair to call it the kingdom of joy? Kingdom of peace. All of these things that are the best attributes, that's what the kingdom is. And so he says, turn around, turn around, turn around. Head towards the kingdom of abundant life. It's at hand. It's here. You know, we don't have to wait. God is waiting on us. I'm going to say it again. God is waiting on us. Not, not like a waiter at the restaurant. Like, hey, when are you guys going to get on track? I love you. I've got the best for you. I've given the best for you. When are you going to align so that as you align, it opens up the flow of life, the flow of God, the flow of peace, the flow of joy, the flow of hope, the flow of wisdom, the flow that brings security and stability. And what, what, what hinders us from this? Well, the devil tries to deceive us. And that's all it is when sin is presented to us. It's a deception. Hey, this is going to be great. This is going to be good. But he doesn't show you the whole picture because this is going to bring you death. If we saw the death end of it on the front end of it, we'd say, uh-uh, don't want it. But, but that's, where, that's where we don't see the whole process of God, what, what he wants in our lives. The Bible says that he will do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or think. You can't even imagine or dream of the great things that God is waiting to do in your life and through your life. None of us can. We have no reference point. Think about the person in your life that was your greatest advocate, the greatest cheerleader in your life, the one that believed in you and invested in you and stood with you through everything. Now, maybe you have somebody, maybe you don't. But as a Christian, you do. And that is God. 
No one wants better for you than God. No one can do better for you than God. And that's where we, we enter into this deception when we think we can get what's best apart from God because we can't. And the moment we do, we're walking in the steps of Adam and Eve and we're going to experience the pain of sin. So Jesus is preaching saying, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. This is, this is how he opens up his ministry. This is how he introduces himself to the disciples, to the world, to everyone. And then down in verse 23, it says, and Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the gospel of what? The kingdom. Does anybody know what the word gospel means? Good news, good news. How many of you really appreciate those little stories they tell you at the end of the nightly news to try and pull you out of the nosedive of, of all the terrible stuff that's going on? You know, it's, it's crazy. But this is the good news. God has good news. God's word is good news. God's kingdom is a kingdom of good news. And so this gospel, gospel of the kingdom, it's the good news about the kingdom. Now, part of the challenge that we all have is what kind of government does our, be careful. <laughs> I'm not asking for an opinion, okay? So don't shout out an opinion. What kind of government does America have? A democracy? Is that right? So, well, I know it's, it's supposed to be a democracy. I'm going to get myself in real trouble in just a minute. Where, where people have representation. Everybody has a say. That's what it's supposed to be. And so we, we become very intense about not having our say, about not being heard, about not being acknowledged and not having people follow what we think is most important. And right now we're at a new level where everybody wants their say and everybody's going to say what they're going to say. And many people say what they say unfiltered and uncaring about anybody else but themselves because their reference point is them. And everybody that doesn't agree with them is no longer valuable. And not right. So truth is relative. I'm, I'm, I am the holder of truth, my truth. And you can't tell me what your truth is because I've got my truth. That is not truth. Truth is something that's the same for everyone. That's what makes it true. There's no change in it. And so we have this situation where we have this fluctuating truth, fluctuating perspective, all these things, and yet we hold so strongly to ours that we're not willing to give place to anybody else. But Jesus came and proclaimed truth, proclaimed the kingdom of God, but he said, repent for the kingdom of God 
is at hand. It's at hand. There's an opportunity to make an adjustment right now to what is going to bring you life instead of what you're currently experiencing. Now, in all of our lives, there is, there is a slice that we as Christians, we're tracking with God and we're experiencing life. But there are also areas of our life that we're not exactly on track with God and we're not experiencing the life and the joy and the peace and the stability and, and the hope that we should and we need to make that adjustment because without it, we're going to have this tension in our lives where we're, we're trying to walk in God's will, but we're trying to walk in the things that we think are going to give us what we want. And we've got a foot in two kingdoms. We don't have a kingdom. We have a democracy. Everybody has their say. But God has a kingdom. And where there is a kingdom, that means that there is someone that is in final and complete authority. From the very beginning of time, that, that the world was, kingdoms started to happen. There were people that would rise up and they would have their little domains, dominions. And they would rule over their group, but there'd be somebody over the hill that had another group, and they'd have their kingdom, and this kingdom didn't like this kingdom, so they fought. And a price was paid by both kingdoms. Because each one wanted their way to be done. And we haven't moved far from that, because many times we have our own little kingdom. And we want things done our way. And we want not only our way in our kingdom, we want other kingdoms to adopt our ways. And yet Jesus went and he preached in the synagogues the gospel of the kingdom. And look what resulted as he preached the gospel of the kingdom. This is a byproduct of what he taught. He taught the gospel of the kingdom. And then he healed all kinds of sickness, all kinds of disease among the people. Why, why is that? Because that's part of the kingdom of God. When we proclaim the kingdom, we're setting up an environment for God to work. When we live in the kingdom of God, we're, we're experiencing a moment in time where we're saying, God, I want your will. You're, you're the king. Who's the king of kings and the Lord of lords? Jesus. But if he is a Lord, that means master. If he is a king, that means he is the, the complete ruler. And yet, it's something we all have to make adjustments in our life for because he's not ruling my life completely. He's not my master in everything. But I need him to be. He doesn't need to be, but I need him to be because I can't have a better life apart from him. And so this kingdom, we cannot relate to kingdoms. The closest we get is when we look at some of these other countries that have kingdoms. Now, what, what other countries have, have kingdoms? Yeah, there, there are a variety of them. But some of the kings or the dictators that had the, the, the uh, group of people, are ruthless. And they just use people. 
And that's why we so often are so afraid to give control over to anyone, even God. Because we have this, this hesitation and even a fear that, well, what if God doesn't do the right thing? What if he doesn't do the best? Can I tell you, if you don't think he's going to do the right thing, if you are struggling, will he do the best? You don't know him. You don't know who he is. And if you would get to know God from his word, you'll see that he always does the best. Every good and perfect gift comes from him. There's no one else. My wife is one of the greatest gift givers I know. Oftentimes, people will get a gift from Debbie and they'll say, man, how did you pick this out? This is amazing. It, it, it's just what I wanted. It, I didn't even think I needed it, but I, I, I just, I'm so grateful I have it. And as good as she is, she is nothing compared to God. God has your best interest. He knows everything about you. And he knows exactly what you need. And he wants to get you what you need so that you can be who he has for you to be and do what he has for you to do. But that's what the kingdom is about, that we let the king be the king. And when we're dealing with kingdoms, we don't have a good reference point. And so because of that, we, we try and treat the kingdom of God a lot like a democracy. Well, God, I have my vote. I have my rights. No, you don't. If Jesus is your master, if he's your Lord, if he's the king of your life, then you gave those over to him. See, what we want is we don't want hell, but we also don't want Jesus messing with our life. But we need him messing with our life because our life is already a mess. And I've heard it said this way, God takes our mess and turns it into his message where people can see what he can do in the mess of a life like mine. And that gives them hope that God can do something good in their lives. That's how this works. People see that none of us are perfect, but perfect God comes into our lives and begins to be allowed to have his way. We begin to track with God and follow him and obey him and yield to him and to fear him, to honor him, to respect him. And all of a sudden, our lives start to transform. And we literally begin to go from glory to glory. People see the glory of heaven in our lives. The glory of the kingdom of God. The kingdom of heaven. And they wouldn't come out and say, wow, you know what? I see God's kingdom in you. But they're going to see some really good things. And that's where we are able to say, you know what? If there's anything good in my life, it came from him. And what he's done for me, he'll do for you. If you'll just let him have his way in your life. And so he, he was preaching the kingdom. 
the gospel of the kingdom. Repent. The kingdom of God is at hand. But his kingdom is not like any other kingdom. Even if we lived in a kingdom in this earth, which there are people right now living in true kingdoms. And in John chapter 18, verse 26, I believe it is. No, it's 36. Jesus was, was before Pilate. Remember when, when he was before Pilate and he was being tried? And this is what he said. My kingdom is not of this world. So he's telling us his kingdom isn't of this world. Well, what, what's it of? What existed before this earth existed was heaven. And then heaven came to earth as God created the garden. And the garden was like what heaven was supposed to be like. Or was like. And then sin came in and obliterated us being able to know heaven apart from our knowledge of God, our, our relationship with God, and him continuing to reveal it to us every day through his word, through his spirit, through our interaction with other Christians when, when God has his way in our lives and we're really loving and caring and, and we're gracious and we're merciful and we're kind, we're patient with one another. All of those are manifestations of the way heaven is, the way God's kingdom is, and how much God wants his kingdom to be manifest here in the earth. And yet we don't have a reference point, and so we have to be diligent in replacing all the information that we've had, all the ways we've done things up to this point, and now adopt and adapt to the kingdom of heaven. To the kingdom of God. And that is a never-ending process. That's why if you think, man, I just, I just, I don't have a handle on all this. You just keep growing in it. And you just keep going. God will never give up on you. We sang today, God will never fail you. The only way this doesn't work is if we quit. And the enemy is working overtime to try and get you and me to just give up instead of giving over to God and letting him have his way and learning about his ways. Because the Bible tells us in Isaiah, God says, as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. You know, that's, that's a pretty heady thing to think about. God's ways are higher than ours. His thoughts are higher than ours. Well, obviously because he's so much smarter and, and he knows everything. There's nothing that's hidden from him. But his ways are perfect. And that's where we have to always remember our place. We're not God in this equation. We're not the smartest one in the room. Hello? There's always one smarter, and I'm not talking about human beings. You could take all of us and put us all together, and the smarts that we would come up with pale in comparison to the wisdom of God. But he's always there. The smartest one in the room is with you, is in you. The most powerful one in the room 
is with you as a believer. He lives in you. He's not going to leave you. He wants to guide you along the best path for your life. But he's not going to put a, a, a bit and a halter in your mouth and drag you along. He's not going to make you or me go anywhere we don't choose to go. And that's why we, we need to recognize we need him. We need his reign. We need his rule. We need him to govern us. We need him to guide us. We need him to guard us. And if we take on any of those roles, well, I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to guard myself. God is not going to do it in spite of you. He works in partnership with you and me. And that's where learning about the kingdom. How important is the kingdom? You know, we all have our answers. It's on a scale somewhere in our lives. But if it's not number one, it's not in the right spot. Jesus came to reveal his Father. That's why when the disciples said, show us the Father, he was, he was beside himself. He was like, what? If you've seen me, you've been with me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And if you've seen me and you've seen the Father, you've seen the kingdom. You've seen the way the kingdom works. And when we look at Jesus' life, that's what the king does. That's what the culture of the kingdom is. And yet we, we talk about it, we know about it to some degree because we, we know some familiar portions of Scripture. And today we're, we're going to just touch on it real quick. And that is something that Probably most of us in this room know. But in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9, Jesus said, In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, I'm just going to say a few words, and I'm going to ask you, if you know this, to continue with me. Our Father in heaven, go ahead, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil, the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Now, how many of you know that prayer? Look at this. Almost every person in this room knows this prayer. And that there's something about knowing something but not understanding it. We can say this prayer. I've known this prayer since I was little. But I will tell you it hasn't done for me what God intended to do for me until I got older and I didn't just look at the words and didn't just mouth words. 
that there was an understanding that came about what this is saying. And we're going to look at this and we're going to be looking at the kingdom because without us recognizing the kingdom, without us being able to process things according to the kingdom, we are going to be missing out on what God has for you, for you, and through you to all the people around you. How many of you want to be a greater blessing to the people around you? There shouldn't be any hands down. Every one of us do. I want to be a greater blessing to my wife. I want to be a greater blessing to my kids. I want to be a greater blessing to the rest of my family and my friends. I want to be a greater blessing to strangers. Because that's what God has for me to be in this world that is looking for someone to care about them more than themselves. And yet the only way that's going to happen is if I embrace the kingdom of God. The Bible says the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. So we're going to be learning about this. This is going to be something that we'll probably take a few weeks on. I know you're like a few weeks. Come on, a few months. We'll take whatever time we need. But I believe it's going to be a great investment in helping us all make the adjustments we need to make and have an expectation like we've never had before of God being able to do what he wants to do. And how many of you know what God wants to do is great? Man, I'm excited about this and I can't wait for us to really dig in. But that'll be coming next week. And then Tony Cook will be coming the week after and we'll continue. But God has the best life for you, but he can't do it in spite of you, but he'll do it with you. Amen? Like every head bowed, every eye closed. You know, as we've talked about God and, and his kingdom, that's not like what this world has to offer. Everybody is welcome to come into his kingdom, but understanding that it is a kingdom. That for us to enter the kingdom, we have to let go of our own rule and receive his rule in our lives. We have to choose to trust him and believe that he has the best for us and a life that we can't, we can't, come by any other way. And that life is supposed to be so overflowing that it would not just saturate you, but it would overflow you and begin to saturate other people's lives. Influence and impact as you impart what's being imparted to you. And if you're here with us this morning in present or online and you have never turned to Release your grasp on your own life, holding your life as your own kingdom, and turn to Christ and turn over your life to Him. That's what we all need. And if you've never done that, I'm going to invite you to pray with us this morning. Understand this prayer is opening the door, 
you're welcoming God into your life. You're, you're acknowledging what he, Jesus did. He died on the cross to pay the price for your sin. But you need more than just that forgiveness. You need his lordship in your life. You need him to rule. You need him to govern. You need him. We each need him to govern and guide us and guard us. We can't do it. And he is more than willing to do it, and he'll do it the best way. And so this prayer this morning is an opportunity to invite him to begin to do that work in our lives where we partner with him from that point on. Perfectly, no. But we don't ever quit. So if you have never prayed and received Christ, I invite you to pray today. And like I said, we're all going to pray together. So let's pray this prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your son, Jesus, who willingly came to earth, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay the price for my sin, conquered hell and death in the grave, and was raised glorious and victorious, and is today at the right hand of the Father's throne. Lord Jesus, I've sinned. I come to you today to receive your forgiveness. Cleanse me. Create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit in me. Jesus, you are my Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I am yours, you are mine, thank you for saving me. Govern me, guide me, guard me. Thank you, Lord, for your abundant life to me and through me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. If you prayed this prayer here, let somebody know before you leave. If you prayed online, go to the website reslifeny.org. Go down to where the prayer requests are. Let us know that you prayed because we want to be praying for you. Let us know your name so we can pray for you by name. And if you want to be contacted, give us some contact information. God is a good God. He's got a great life for every one of us, one that is overflowing so that we will impart and impact the people that he so loves that he gave his son for. Amen? Would you stand? Remember our praise and prayer service on Monday, 7 o'clock right here in the children's wing. It's a great time to be able to uh, connect with God and connect with one another. I just want to pray for you before you go today. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each and every one of your children, those that are here, those that are watching online. Father, we're so grateful that your presence is always with us. Lord, you said you'd never leave us or forsake us. And today we thank you. We thank you that we, no matter what we encounter, we know we're not alone. And that you have never failed and you're not going to start now. That Father, you have the victory. And you are causing your children 
believers in Jesus Christ to become overwhelmingly more than conquerors in all things. Father, we thank you for your promise that says, greater is he that's in us, your spirit, than whatever we encounter in the world. Father, we thank you that you said we would tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy that nothing by any means would harm us, that we're the head, not the tail. We're above and not beneath. We're blessed going in and blessed going out. I thank you as, as we leave here today. We're not going alone. We're going with you, and you have already gone ahead of us and prepared the way. And we're going to walk in that peace and walk in that joy and walk in that life and walk in that love and walk in that victory and hope because we're going to walk in your kingdom. We thank you, Father, for this. We give you the praise and the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name, and everyone said, Amen. have a great week. I just wanted to give her a hug before she got out of here. Love you. Thank you so much, Deb, for being here. You're awesome. And you know what? You got a great brother. I was just going to say. Stop it. I said, got a great brother. I'm not going any farther than that. Thank you. Thank you for being here. You okay? Anything I can be doing? Work stress. Okay. Okay. I love you and I'm praying for you.